Before this, you marketed products to a very aspirational view. You know, that's changed a lot. I don't think there's a lot of people, as, you know, that aspirational goal has been replaced by this new way of new, new consumerism of survival. So the question is, is how do you fit your product into this new, this new consumer ideology of, of life? And I think a lot of brands are starting to see that it's not just performance it's messaging just, and, and Everyone sees it, you know, your, your current customers, your, your, your future customers, prospecting, remarketing. It's not, it's not mechanical. It's real. It's real marketing. Hey, everybody. John Giorso here. On this episode of e-commerce deep dive, I speak with Steve Weiss, founder and CEO of Mute6. Steve and I talk about D2C and the impact of COVID-19 on the channel. We talk about how it's impacted consumer ideology and how they've shifted from aspirational to survival mode, how it's impacted digital ad spend and how that works for and against D2C brands, new opportunities, and how brands should respond to uncertainty. I got a lot of value out of this conversation. I think you will too. I hope you enjoy. All right, Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So, you know, it'd be great uh, to hear a little bit, our audience to hear a little bit about just your background and what Mute 6 does. Cool. Yeah, let's do it, man. So I started Mute 6 seven years, almost seven years ago, 2013, uh, end of 2012, early 2013. I have a bit of an odd background. Um, A lot of, you know, we always take different paths to entrepreneurship and I've always learned a lot from a lot of other people as far as their paths and my path. And my path is unique. Uh, I moved to LA in 2013 or 2012 with a very, a very humble goal. I wanted to, you know, try my hand at stand-up comedy. I wanted to see if I could uh, become just another Jewish comedian. Um, oddly enough, uh, <laughs> there are these things called bringer shows where you got to bring people through uh, these comedy shows to get stage time. And I started running Facebook ads to get people to come to my uh, bringer shows. And little, little did I know that um, I was kind of Pop, you know, putting myself in the middle of this, or I kind of stumbled, better word, stumbled upon in the middle of this new phenomenon, which was direct to consumer. And at the time I was running ads for comedy, then I got approached by a product owner on Shopify. The first company I ever personally worked on was a candle company. And it, it really fit my specific skill set, being a creative as well as a performance marketer. So I started Mute 6 2013, and the vision of Mute 6 was a bit unique. Uh, a lot of a lot of brands they have both their creative agency as well as their performance marketing agency and my goal was to bridge the gap we wanted to build both a creative studio as well as a performance marketing you know component to our agency and we've been over the last 7 years you know we've been very successful at launching specifically direct to consumer brands and getting you know traction profitability and scale rather quickly Okay, that's that's a great that's a great place to start. I know uh, it's hard to have a conversation these days. Uh, it's uh, it's May seventh for people people's reference point here, but it's how ha- it's hard to have a conversation without talking about um, the COVID impact on on business, on consumer behavior, on you know psychology. On I know a lot of the things that that you spend time thinking about. So you know how is has COVID changed? Uh, the way that you do what you do, I mean, specifically related to, you know, how should brands be thinking about it? How should they be changing their messaging? How should they be thinking about the consumer in this kind of new normal that we're living in? Yeah, I, I think that's a huge, this one of the most important topics I think we can discuss in this podcast. So, 
two months ago were marketing to a different consumer. This The consumer two months ago had different expectations, different thoughts going through their minds. They're in almost like a different world two months ago. And I think, you know, fast forward till now, uh, you know, this consumer is very worried. They see everything on the news feed is doom, 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 doom. And I think we have to figure out when we market a product, how do we bring positivity into their into the lives of, the, of possible consumers how do we how do we you know how do we bring something very needed into their life how do we not sound tone deaf how do we how do we make our brand aware of the circumstances going on in 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 this crisis you know i still see people marketing products without actually being without understanding the time you know i, I see people with uh you know you know, traveling backgrounds in their ads and like, you know, the Eiffel Tower and this and that. And I feel like a lot of that is very tone deaf right now. That's why marketing travel is very difficult because, you know, before this, it was very, you marketed products to a very aspirational view. Oh, I'd love to be able to go to Italy or, or, or um, France or any of these countries. And it was very aspirational. You see people there, you're like, I want to be that. Well, you know, that's changed a lot. I don't think there's a lot of people, you know, that aspirational goal has been replaced, you know, by this new way of new, new consumerism of survival. I think a lot of people are like, wow, you know, I just lost my job. I'm unemployed. Like, I'm not thinking of going to Paris or, you know, that that's just so far out of like, out of my, you know, out of my view of what I can do in life. And now I just want to survive. So the question is, is how do you fit your product? into this new this new consumer ideology of, of life. And I think a lot of brands are starting to see that it's not just performance, it's just messaging. And, and everyone sees it, you know, your, your current customers, your, your, your future customers, prospecting, remarketing, it's not, it's not mechanical, it's real, it's real marketing. Hey everyone, John Giorso here. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. I wanted to let you know that this episode has been brought to you by Orca Pacific, the agency I founded to help brands succeed on the Amazon platform. If you need any services that relate to success on the platform, whether it be content, advertising, SEO, help on the back end when it comes to operational support, etc., training for your team, or even just some advice on a place you may be stuck, Feel free to reach out to our team. The best way to get in touch with us is on LinkedIn or at orcapac, O-R-C-A-P-A-C.com. And with that, we'll get back to the show. You know, I mean, for me, there's some products that come to mind that, you know, are probably easier to, to fit into that framework uh, that, you know, are, are what Amazon at least would call, uh, from my purview, essential. But for those products that are more um, discretionary in, in nature, I mean, tell me more about how you, you know, specifically approach that a product that someone, they don't have to buy it to survive, but you know, there's still plenty of purchasing going on that is, is, you know, beyond just uh, the immediate things I need to to live through this week. How, how are you approaching those? You know, I think we have to, re- we have to shine these specific products on the light on how these products bring happiness and joy and purpose to people's lives. I think that's number one. If your product doesn't have an essential purpose of survival, if your product isn't, you know, something that people need 
in their daily lives, then you have to really figure out how does your product bring a sense of normalcy, bring a sense of purpose, bring a sense of happiness and joy. Because right now, you know, you're fighting for dollars over you're f- with a lot of brands. You're fighting for these consumer dollars for products. And I think that's that's the thing that we're all trying to figure out. Obviously, there is an uptick in, in e-commerce. I mean, I think this month it has been huge for us. Last month has been huge, which you know is a bigger topic of why. I mean, why has the stock market gone up on May? What is it? May May seventh. You know, we've seen an uptick in the stock market. We've seen an uptick in paid spend. Is that is that like is that real? Is it fake? I who knows, but. I think what we do know is that stores are closed. Like all of America, most of America right now, you know, retail stores are closed. So they have to buy and, and Amazon's taking two, three weeks to deliver. So like, where are you going to go? So <laughs> you know, where, where are you going to, you're going to show, you're going to look for stuff on Google. You're going to, you're going to do some searching and then you're going to see a Facebook ad and you're going to buy. So I think it, it's really, it's really interesting. This new consumer behavior. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, I know. I think we're we're obviously in this time of kind of unprecedented consumer behavior shift. But one of the things that we've seen as a result is um, is people willing to try channels that they haven't tried before. Almost all of those being online, uh, and then they're willing to try brands that they haven't tried before. Mostly, both of those are out of necessity. They need a thing, and they can't go to a store, or they want a thing, and they usually buy a brand, but they can't get it, or they have to wait three weeks to get it. So they're willing to kind of try somebody else, um, you know, especially in, in kind of the consumables, which I guess would mostly be in that, in that kind of survival, you know, at least uh, uh, quasi survival essential categories. Um, you know, how are you thinking about that in terms of lifetime customer value uh, in terms of encouraging that kind of that new trial um, when people are maybe more willing to, to go outside of their kind of, typical behaviors no i i think we're looking at it we want to generate prospecting new customers that's a big kpi i think for every brand uh you know you see a lot of brands right now doing very very aggressive price cuts they're i think people are trying i think brands right now are looking at their their balance sheets and saying you know we don't know what the future is going to hold we don't know what june july august you know we don't know if People spend all their stimulus checks and, like, you know, consumer spending goes down on e-commerce. Nobody really knows. And, and because of that, I, I feel like, you know, people are discounting on their site to just stack cash. I think a lot of these companies are just trying to build a war chest of money so that if something does go wrong, they have some survival cash and survival, you know, money. And that's why you're seeing, you know, across the board that a number of these e-commerce businesses have slashed prices and, you know, I think it's <laughs> that's the number one thing right now is to really conserve capital at all costs. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you mentioned as kind of a side comment earlier that um, uh, the the dynamics of paid media, especially I would let's focus maybe on Google for now, have changed. You know, how have they changed? Has it gotten more expensive, less expensive? Is it is it is there more? traffic on Google and in some of these categories, is there kind of an overall takeaway or it might depend on, on vertical as well? No, I think they've all changed. I think, you know, traffic, you know, big brand advertiser, I mean, you're talking about the travel business is gone. Like you talk about hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars a year and spend 
disappeared overnight. Like overnight, United Airlines, you know, American Airlines, Carnival Cruises, none of these people are buying media. And even other brands that focus on retail are, are cutting back on spend. They're getting rid of all brand campaigns. If it's a brand campaign that's not showing ROI, cut it. And what this has is it had a positive impact on lowering, you know, the CPMs on all these platforms. We're seeing it across the board that Facebook, Google, I mean, it's getting less and less and less expensive to reach these consumers, which for us as a marketing agency is obviously amazing. <laughs> like I, I, I talked to you today and say our numbers, our numbers are pretty good, but, you know, I'm, I'm worried about the unpredictability of what the future holds. I, I still think there's a deep sense of unpredictability. And I think, you know, I'm trying to, the, the thing I ask myself every single day is how do I save jobs? How do I save jobs? How do I save jobs? Because I care so deeply about about the bigger picture to what I do on a daily basis. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to both save and create jobs at the same time. And I think, you know, as, as a marketing agency, similar to you, man, like, you know, we do that by getting performance for our clients, which allows us to hire more and make a positive impact. And it's on my mind all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly understand that. You know, it's for me, this, this whole, uh, kind of series of events over the last couple months has really kind of crystallized our mission. And I, I know you feel the same way, which is that, you know, we're in a fortunate position to be in a channel that's actually growing right now. But that doesn't mean that everything's rosy for our clients. I mean, for a lot of brands in general, like retail's getting decimated, you know, the overall pie is shrinking. So I I really feel a personal responsibility to like maximize, you know, if there's a bright spot in e-commerce, we need to make that as bright as humanly possible to offset all the other kind of chaos and damage that's that's going on across retail. So um, you know, being you being in a, in a performance marketing business where really you're focused on, on actually driving sales and ROI and like, you know, very kind of attributable results. Have you recommended your clients get more aggressive now that, that essentially that, you know, paid media is cheaper. Is there, do you see there as being kind of more opportunity that they need to take advantage of now, or is it, is it a more conservative approach? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're consistently telling our clients that, you know, we're being very transparent. We don't know what the future holds. Right now, CPMs are low. You're getting a lot of efficiency. Let's double down. Let's see, how much, let's see, how much, see as long as you have inventory, let's see how much inventory we can, we can move. And, you know, I think about this a lot. I mean, getting back to the bigger picture of what you do and why you do it, um, you know, for me, it's easy for me to say, Let's keep the quarantine going. Let's, you know, do this for two, three months or however long. And, you know, I think about this a lot of like, it's easy for me without being very empathetic. But the reality is, is that people are out of work. People are, people, people can only deal with this for a certain period of time. And like, I don't go outside. I sit here and I work every day and it, it's, it's easy. You know, I'm comfortable. I live a good life, but like, I think, Sometimes when you're in your, and I think some people struggle with this, is when you're in your own little world, you forget what other people are going through and you forget the, the empathy that you usually have from seeing people on a daily basis. And I, I think it's very important to touch on that as a marketer and as a psychology person, as someone who runs a company, that having a constant sense of empathy is not only 
the you know attributable to future success, but it also is going to allow you to have a much bigger impact on this world, a much greater positive impact, should I say? Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. I think uh, you know we're in the same position where our, you know our businesses ha- have been stable throughout this, obviously because of the shift, the consumer shift online. I'm sure we're both you know sitting in our our air conditioned. <laughs> you know, uh, home offices work in a way it, it, it is easy to forget that, you know, there are people and millions of people as a result in the U S alone that are in a really rough spot because of this. And, you know, there's the kind of overall societal impact, but then there's the very practical impact that those same people are our clients, customers. So those are the people that we're actually trying to reach out to on, on behalf of our clients or in, in partnership with them. Um, and it goes back to that empathy piece and the messaging piece. You know, I, I'm sure like a lot of people, I've seen uh, some of that totally kind of misses the mark, um, tone deaf messaging. Like they just, no one updated their ads basically since, you know, since February. And, and then I've seen kind of a, a more nuanced version of this. I've seen some really good advertising, some really good messaging and creative. Um but then I've seen messaging maybe that falls somewhere in between, which is sort of it's contextual in the sense that it's acknowledging the impact of COVID, but it maybe seems inauthentic or kind of gimmicky. Have you, do you have any perspective on that and how you walk the line between that sort of contextual, authentic, you know, really resonates with consumers messaging and, 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 and honestly, the, the, the way that doesn't work as well. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I have so many thoughts on that. I, I think consumers say this a lot that the consumer is a lot smarter and a lot more self-aware than they were a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. You're marketing to a different segment of society. Even the 45 plus who are buying stuff on Facebook, the individuals that are, you know, you know the 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 baby boomer and as well as the next generation right preceding or seeing the baby they're, they're 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 getting more and more savvy so they know right away if you're if you're tone deaf to, to their situation they but they also see the brands that they're connecting with that's why having a social cause or having a connecting your brand to a social impact is so important because beyond just giving a product or service people just want to align themselves with an end goal that they really feel empowered by and i i, I push a lot the narrative of social impact social impact and Trust me, I didn't. I didn't think that way six months ago. I wasn't telling people you need a social impact to your brand. Like I, I'm not one of those rah rah people that just that just said you need to do a social impact. But right now, people need some form of an inspiration. Yeah, yeah. I think people in crisis do kind of crave, uh, you know, connection with with the kind of bigger values. Um, and, and aspirations, especially when people are literally disconnected uh, from one another, um, in addition just to the you know financial or mental strain. So, yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, interesting. What 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 else, Steve? What else are you thinking about right now? What else do you think would be good for for you know a, a marketing, branding, e-commerce audience to be aware of? I mean, I just think right now is the time to go direct to consumer. I know there's a lot of brands probably listening that that have partnerships on Amazon and partnerships on, you know, other, you know, other wholesale relationships. And 
there's never a better time than right now to really diversify your product offering and build an, an omni-channel strategy that has both marketplaces and direct-to-consumer built in. I think there's a lot of fear with you know damaging some of those wholesale relationships with with a D2C strategy, but I, I think that right now people are learning that they can't be over invested in any specific area. And I think that's, that's the big learning from this is that the area that was your bread and butter. Now you need two or three bread and butters. You need to really figure out like, how do I diversify my offering? How do I, how do I get new customers from different places? And how do I really understand the expectations of these customers? And I think that's the one thing I'd love for people to take away from listening to this podcast is that diversification is a means of survival. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think, you know, when, when I look at uh, the the sort of world of different consumer brands out there, you know, there, I think there's the companies that kind of have direct to consumer in their DNA. They'd never consider doing anything. You know, they would never walk away from it. They've done it from day one, you know, the digitally native guys. Um, and then there's kind of the, the big, big or, you know, mid-sized national brands that have been around for 20, 30, 50 years um, or longer that uh, in some cases have adopted D2C and, and get it. They've been doing it for five years, but in a lot of cases are pretty hesitant to jump in. Um, you know, talk to me about maybe what those brands, how they should realistically look at D2C. What are, what are, the fears that get overblown, what are some of the things they have to focus on? Like, what do they do wrong? What do they, what do they not do right when they approach it? Like just, you know, high level, you know, mid-market national brand, new to D to C, what, how should they be thinking about it? I mean, they're, they're obviously scared. I think there's a lot of fear that whatever they do will hurt their core their core business. I think that's a big fear is that when you have something that's doing really well and, you know, I, I get it. Like a lot of the, a lot of people I talk to that are doing Amazon, their, their companies are doing really well. And how do you open up a new average, a new traffic channel, a new sales channel without negatively impacting what you're currently doing? And, you know, there is, you know, just prices on Amazon that they have, you know, they have, products set away for Amazon, the supply chain is very important. You know, if you're, how do you know how much product to start D to C? I think there's a lot of like more or less questions that, that are, uh, that are unanswered right now. So I think that, I think there's a lot of hesitancy there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do, you know, do like if they go, if, if they decide, okay, we're in, we, we know D to C is important. We're going to get it done this year. And, you know, you're helping these brands. What are some of the biggest misconceptions? Like, like, what are they, what are they afraid of that they, they actually shouldn't be afraid of? Or what are they not afraid of that they should be looking out for? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of brands just automatically think they're going to cannibalize what they're currently doing. And I, I just don't think that's the reality The the universe for, 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 you know, for your product is very big. And you're only and the way to think about it is that, you know, you're only capturing such a small segment of the population so the so you know obviously market share market share market share and you know with d to c you know you have abilities to really reach these consumers without ever paying for it. you know you can reach them through email you don't have to keep spending money and money to reach these consumers so there's a ton of equity value that could be had and 
I just think it's it's fear of the unknown. I and and I get it. Like there's stuff that I'm scared of with you know doing with my business, but I just think overall it's this it's this fear of what the unknown is. Yeah, yeah. I it, it's funny because we could mirror this conversation in reverse, and I could talk about D to C brands being afraid to go on Amazon, and it's it's actually very similar in a really interesting way. They're afraid of cannibalization. They're afraid of uh, you know kind of unnecessary competition. Uh, you know, they're afraid of, of of losing control or just generally kind of the unknown. So. Um, it's interesting to, to hear you say that because it's, I think maybe it's just uh, a more kind of fundamental issue of, of newness and, and, you know, this is going to be a new different thing. So, um, interesting. Well, Steve, uh, you know, I, I know we're getting kind of close to time here. Anything else that, that you think our audience should, should know? Um, no, I think, you know, our, our bread and butter specifically is helping brands navigate a very tumultuous, very cumbersome process of becoming profitable on D2C, of really scaling the amount of customers, the amount of people consuming your product, and being able to show profitability on a PL and really helping plan and navigate, you know, the future growth of the brand as they expand into multi-channel. And I'm happy to, you know, be a resource any way I can to your audience. And I'm happy to really just make a positive impact in this world. So I, I appreciate you, John, you know, asking me to come on this podcast and I'm ho- hopefully, you know, we'll get through this together, man. I know uh, it'll be an interesting time over the next couple months. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So, you know, if people do want to learn more about you. They want to get connected with you. They want to learn more about Mute6. What's the best way to do that? Oh, they can reach me directly at steve at mute6.com. Steve at M-U-T-S-I-X.com. Awesome. That's that's easy enough. Steve, thanks so much for uh, being on the show. Hey, definitely. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to another episode of E-Commerce Deep Dive. Be sure to subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube. And if you get a chance, go in and leave us a rating. It would help a lot. Thanks again and talk to you soon.